Hello and welcome to today's Here's to Your Health podcast. I'm Don Lintzman, Executive Director of Marketing and Development at Crawford County Memorial Hospital. My guest on the podcast today is Heather Rasmussen. Heather is the Executive Director of Care Integration here at CCMH. And Heather, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Don. Uh, October is Infection, Infection Prevention Month. And uh, I think that we're everybody is probably pretty familiar with infections. All of us have probably had one at one time or another. We've all at least had one course of antibiotics over the years. But I think it's important for us to understand um, a lot of things about infections. And because we're talking about infection prevention, let's start with how do infections actually occur? Sure. So they occur by what we call the chain of infection. So in order for an infection to occur, you first need a pathogen, um, a bacteria, a virus, something that causes disease. So you have a pathogen that leaves the reservoir. Now the reservoir is where the pathogen lives, grows, multiplies. It can include humans, animals, and the environment. So you have the reservoir. Then you have the portal of exit. This is how the pathogen leaves the reservoir. So this may be through the respiratory tract when someone sneezes or coughs. Um, After that, you have the mode of transmission. So this is how the pathogen is carried from the reservoir, whether it to be by contact, droplet, airborne transmission. Um, it can also be vector-borne. You gotta think of mosquitoes and West Nile virus or ticks, or it can be what we call vehicle-borne. Think water, food, um, et cetera, and stuff like that. After that, then you have um, the next phase in the chain of infection is the portal of entry. So this is how the pathogen enters a susceptible host. So somebody has influenza, they sneeze, the susceptible host breathes it in. And then the last chain in the link, um, uh, the last link in the chain of, in, the chain of infection is a susceptible host. Hmm. So you go through all of that and that's how an infection occurs. Now it sounds like there's a, this big whole slew of things that have to happen, which is right, but it's, it's very easy. And so from your discussion of how infections occur, it's pretty easy to understand how they spread because you talked about some of the ways that that happens, droplets and airborne and so on and so forth. So why don't we talk a little bit, because I think COVID has been one of those things that has caused us to be a little bit more um, conscious of how infections spread. So we should Mm -hmm. talk about that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. So infections spread because of the chain of infection. So the pathogen will continue, so the bacteria or virus will continue through the chain of infection from a reservoir to a susceptible host. That susceptible host now becomes a reservoir to another susceptible host, and it just continues until that chain is broken. So if you sneeze on your hand and you don't wash your hands and you go touch a doorknob and you have influenza, you're not feeling quite sick yet, and you walk through the door, I come behind you, I touch that doorknob, then I rub a mucous membrane, I rub my nose, I rub my eyes. Now I become that susceptible host because the influenza virus was on the doorknob. So, however, you break that chain, so if you sneeze, you go wash your hands, you've just broken that chain of infection. And then we also have to remember that vaccines can break the chain of infection as well. Heather Rasmussen is is my guest on the podcast today. She's the Executive Director of Care Integration here at CCMH. We're talking about infection prevention because October is Infection Prevention Month. And I I think that uh, infection prevention is the responsibility of all of us, not not just healthcare workers in particular. What are the best ways to help prevent infections and to keep them from spreading? Wash your hands. 
So that's usually where we start, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Wash your hands. Wash them, and not just once. Not just once. Not just at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day. <laughs> Washing your hands is uh, the most important thing we can all do to break that chain of infection. There's vaccinations out there for diseases um, that we can get, you know, so get a vaccination where a vaccine is available for a disease. Stay home when you're sick. Stay away from people when you're sick. Don't don't infect others. And we, you know, we can all use respiratory etiquette. Cough or sneeze into your elbow or tissue or a handkerchief and then wash your hands. You know, in healthcare, we describe infections and precautions in ways that that I think most people outside of healthcare may not really understand. So what, what are some specific transmission-based precautions and how do they work? Sure, so in healthcare we use standard contact droplet and airborne transmission-based precautions. So standard is used on everyone in all situations. Basically, this is the minimum level of infection prevention use. So you gotta think of if you're gonna get your blood drawn, the healthcare worker wears gloves. Or if we're gonna give you a vaccine, we wear gloves. Contact precautions, are used when a patient has a known or suspected infection that can increase the risk of transmission through direct contact, like through direct contact with the environment. For example, um, we'll use contact precautions on multi-drug resistant organisms for like, for instance, MRSA. Everybody's heard of MRSA. Now droplet precautions are used for patients with a known or suspected infection um, with a pathogen that's transmitted by respiratory droplets. So these respiratory droplets are heavy but they can travel up to six feet uh, before they fall, <clears throat> excuse me, after a patient coughs or sneezes. And that's potentially the COVID transmission, correct? Correct, correct. We, droplet precautions are used on patients who have influenza for, for certain. Okay. Airborne precautions are used for a patient known or suspected infection. The pathogen, they're transmitted by airborne respiratory aerosols. So these are tiny lightweight particles and they can float in the air and they're transmitted farther than six feet. So we currently do use airborne for COVID-19. Hmm, interesting. Yep. yep. My guest on the podcast today is Heather Rasmussen. Heather is the Executive Director of Care Integration here at CCMH. We're talking about infection prevention. Uh, one of the things that we hear about a little bit more recently is hospital-based infections uh, or HAIs. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that for just a sure, second? Sure. Healthcare-associated infections or HAIs are infections a patient gets that aren't present at the time that they're admitted to the hospital. So these are infections a patient gets while they're hospitalized. For example, if, if we have to use a catheter on a patient and they get a catheter-associated urinary tract infection or they have a surgery and then they get a surgical site infection. Those are considered healthcare associated infections. Okay. So when we talk about infections, we also know we talked about this earlier with antibiotics because right. we've all mm -hmm. had some of those. Mm -hmm. But antibiotic use and resistance has grown over the years and I've read a couple of articles about this recently. There are some infections that are now harder to treat because right. of uh, antibiotic resistance. Well, what should we all know about antibiotics and how to use them correctly to prevent uh, that, that sort of resistance? Well, first and foremost, we need to understand that antibiotics are medications that treat bacterial infections. Okay. Antibiotics do not treat viruses. So we, we have to understand that. Okay. So resistance is led because of overuse or improper use of um, antibiotics. That's what causes resistance. So what happens is this causes antibiotics that used to work for infections, say like pneumonia, um, be, they become pneumonia becomes harder to treat because the antibiotics become less effective and you have to use heavier hitting um, antibiotics to treat that. So some things that we can do as patients um, or individuals uh, with antibiotics is 
only use antibiotics when prescribed by your healthcare provider. Um, take your antibiotic exactly like it's prescribed. Don't stop taking it because you feel better. You need to follow your provider's instructions and take the entire, the entire course of antibiotics. Um, you know, if you feel better now and three months later you start to have the same symptoms, don't go back and use those same that leftover <laughs> antibiotic. Don't, don't self-diagnose, right? Don't self-diagnose right? and self-medicate. Right, right. <laughs> and don't share your antibiotics with anybody else. I mean, just because they yeah. have the same symptoms that you did, you know, and think, oh, well, hey, I have, you know, 10 doses left, go ahead and take mine. We can't, can't be doing that. Yeah. Um, a big one is don't demand antibiotics from your provider. If your provider says that antibiotics aren't gonna work, believe that. A lot of times, you know, you'll have a, a virus and the, the antibiotic will do nothing for the virus. And then really avoid needing to use antibiotics. So follow good infection prevention practices, you know, wash your hands, stay away from someone who's sick, use respiratory etiquette and things like that. So just avoid having to need to use them. You know, on top of COVID, uh, which I think we've heard and read about in great detail, uh, you know, flu season is with us now, and I know that we've had our flu shot clinics, a couple of those, and pe people should be getting their, their flu shots. But respiratory hygiene and etiquette are very important to limit transmission for flu and COVID and so on and so forth. Uh, what do you think we should all know about how to limit the transmission of respiratory diseases? Well, being in influenza season, get your flu shot. Um, that's a good place to yeah, start. Yeah, that's a good place to start. So get your flu shot. Again, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. I cannot tell you um, enough that washing your hands tremendously helps. It's easy, we all know how to do it, we just need to do it. Um, like you said, you use respiratory etiquette, you know, cough or sneeze into your elbow, use a tissue, use a handkerchief. Stay home when you're sick, don't go to work if you're not feeling well. Um, see your provider if you need to, absolutely. And then some of the things that we can do at home and around the workplace is um, clean high touch areas, doorknobs, your cell phone, um, computer keyboards, the mouse, things like that, your desk at work or your desk at home, that will help prevent. My guest on the podcast today is Heather Rasmussen. Heather is the Executive Director of Care Integration here at CCMH. We're talking about infection prevention. And to wrap up on this topic today, uh, Heather, we have talked incessantly over the last 18 months or so about the importance of personal protective equipment or PPE for healthcare workers and why it's important that we have ample supplies but just so people know, we're not talking necessarily just about masks in a healthcare setting. Uh, what other types of PPE are used to treat patients and prevent infections? Yeah, in uh, in healthcare setting, we have quite a few different types of PPE. In addition to masks, we use gowns, we use gloves, face shields, goggles, shoe covers, hair covers. We'll use coveralls if we need to. Uh, we also use higher respiratory protection, such as N95 masks. They're a little bit different than the surgical mask. We also at CCMH have cappers and pappers. Um, these are specialized respiratory protection that's used. A capper is a controlled air purifying respirator and a papper is a powered air purifying respirator. These, they, they're different in how they look, but they essentially do the same thing. They, they help, they have a fan and they blow air with, into um, the wearer that makes it a little bit easier to breathe and it's a tight, tighter fitting that the aerosol can't get in and, and infect. You know, one more thing though while we're on that subject, and I realize that people are tired of wearing their mm -hmm. their masks, mm -hmm. and of course now you don't see very many people wearing them out in public. Obviously here at the hospital, everybody is required to do right. that. 
wearing masks, I think, helps mm -hmm. uh, reduce transmission of respiratory illnesses. What would you say to someone who would prefer not to wear a mask when they're in the grocery store, Walmart, or some other area where they're around a lot of people that they don't know? Right. You, we don't know, you know, with, with COVID-19, we don't know who's vaccinated and we don't know who's unvaccinated. And numerous studies have shown that if you are unvaccinated, you have a significantly higher chance of, of catching COVID and becoming really sick with it. You know, we got to think to last year, this to me just seems like, you know, this, this should be in lights and sirens and all that, that last year, in the 10 years that I've been here, we did not admit one patient for influenza. And it ha it's, in my opinion, largely due to masks because we were all wearing them at the time. We all had them on when we went to the grocery store. We all had them on at work. You know, everybody wore a mask and we didn't have a flu season. We did not. We had no cases of yeah. the flu last yeah, year. Yeah, it was quite remarkable. So even though that's anecdotal evidence, I think it, it really proves that if you wear the masks, you socially distance, you wash your mm -hmm. hands, you stay home when you're sick, that it does help limit respiratory illness uh, transmission, especially things like COVID and the flu. Absolutely. Thank you, Heather, very much for being my guest today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. <laughs> my guest on the podcast today has been Heather Rasmussen. Heather is the Executive Director of Care Integration at CCMH. We've been talking about infection prevention. I'm Don Lentzman, Executive Director of Marketing and Development at Crawford County Memorial Hospital. We care for life.